Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you for joining me in my home in McKinney, Texas. And thank you all for joining me, coming from SoundCloud and all over the world, wherever you are. God bless you. And thank you for joining us here at Gospel Saving Church. I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli, and uh, we have a little house church here in McKinney, Texas. And just so thankful and grateful to the Lord that he gives me this opportunity to stand or sit before him as today uh, to speak his word and to teach you guys the word of God. And and uh, hopefully, I, I, I hope and my prayer is that, that all those that are listening to me, wherever you are, however long you've been listening to me, that the word of God would not just be just another thing that you listen to, that it would impact your lives, impact your hearts and impact your souls. And, and that it would really change you as God's changed me by his word over the last 16 or 17 years that I've been saved and I've been a Christian. And if you don't know the Lord and you're here today visiting for the first time, and then I hope and pray that this word today that we read out of 1 John will impact your lives too as well and, and affect you the way it affected me 17 or 18 years ago when I was seeking the Lord. If you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, I would appreciate it. Let's ask the Lord to help us understand his word today and help me to teach for I need all the help I can get for the Lord knows that I need all the help I can get anyway. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today, Lord. Thank you for loving, Lord, for the, your word says you are love. And and it's a great love too, Lord. A love that nobody can ever even comprehend, Lord, how much you love us. I think only until, or only at the point when we're standing before you, are we really going to know the love that you freely gave for us, Lord. I don't think we can comprehend it now in our in our human minds. But I pray that you'd help us. Help us to understand it today. And help us to understand it every single day. And help those that have never experienced it, Lord. Help them to accept it or, or experience it as well too, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you'd bless this message and help us to understand what you have to say to us today, Lord. And help us to understand it clearly, Lord. As it is a message, Lord, pertaining to salvation. And your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, Lord. Your word helps us understand salvation, Lord, and leads us in that way. We love you, we praise you, and we just want to give you glory and honor and praise and thank you for all that you do for us. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You guys want to get out your Bibles? We're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 23 today. Uh, I'm going to read them, but not after, or not until after my thoughts from last week's message, The Dangerous Love. Remember John opened up this little section last week, or the little section last week, with the command to Christians, do not love the world or the things in the world. And I called this type of love the dangerous love because it was a lusting after love or better understood it as God's shown me and as I shared with you guys last week, an idolatrous love. And dangerous because if a Christian starts practicing it, they will lose the love of the Father as John told us in verse 10, or verse 15. And I will add that I believe if, if made a way of life. So a Christian or whatever makes idolatry or an idolatrous type of love a lifestyle, then I believe that if they were saved, if they turned to that lifestyle of an idolatrous type of love until death, that they really forfeit their salvation because practicing idolatry or worshiping another God that's not God or Jesus Christ, who is a jealous God and doesn't want to share our hearts with anyone or anything, is dangerous. It's against God's command. Remember Exodus chapter 20. A Christian can get caught up in the practice of idolatry for sure. If a Christian could not get caught up in the practice of idolatry, John would not have given the command to Christians then and now, do not love the world or the things in the world. And I know that a Christian can get caught up in idolatry because I myself in my past, even as a Christian, have struggled with getting caught up in idolatry. And so has my wife and so have those that I've loved in the Lord over the years. And I've seen others go through it also as well too. And you know what? There's one tricky thing about idolatry for a Christian. You want to know what that tricky thing is about idolatry for a Christian? It's this. It's very, very subtle. Very subtle. 
usually a Christian won't even realize right away that they're caught up in idolatry until really God shows it to them and until they, you know, they, they really start having tremendous problems with it. But a Christian can be caught up in idolatry and not even know it. That's the subtlety about it and that's how dangerous it is. Most people just think of idolatry as having a little figure of clay or glass or wood like the Hindus bow down to and worship. And that is idolatry for sure. You know, to set up an idol in your house and then you go up to that idol and you worship it and you bow down to it and you praise it and you pray to it and so on and so forth. And that is idolatry for sure. But for a Christian, idolatry is a little different. It's not necessarily you bowing down to a little carved image that you may put on your wall or on your you know, mantle or in your car or whatever. It's rather, it's you're giving your heart over to or sharing the ruling of your heart or the main love of your heart with something or someone other than God or Christ where, let's say, you're consumed with it. It's really your, the bowing down to or the sharing of your inner man or heart with anything. And since we think about idolatry in that sense, anything and everything can become an idol to us. And the reason a Christian doesn't always know they're committing idolatry is because they don't think of it as the thoughts that consume their minds. That can become idolatry. If you have on your mind, I've just got to get that car. I just have to have sex with that woman. I just have to get that toy and play with that toy. And you let that consume your mind. That is idolatry. Because your mind and your heart is solely focused on that one particular thing. And that is idolatry. Examples of idolatry that a Christian might not think about as idolatry. Years ago, my wife got involved in what they call couponing. And we weren't doing as well financially. And so it was a good thing at first. It saved us a bunch of money and she went into the paper and she'd buy these papers and get these coupons and go out and, you know, match prices and get these coupons. And it saved us a lot of money and we needed it at a time we were kind of struggling financially. But there became a point in time where all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, that's that subtlety that I talked about just now. It kind of crept up on us. All of a sudden, she was just consumed by it. She was just driven, and that was her drive in life to get that greatest coupon, to find that greatest deal so that she could save us that amount of money. Well, in her doing this, since that became her drive and Christ Jesus wasn't her drive anymore, that became idolatry to her. And so in Christ, in time, we decided that couponing was dangerous and bad for her and me. And so we decided in Christ to stop it because it had become idolatry to her. Me, I work a retail job is one of the ways I provide for my family. And the Lord put it on my heart years ago to not just honor and love my wife with a gift for Valentine's Day or just for her birthday or just for an anniversary. And those are the traditional times that people give a gift, right? I mean, if you think about it, that's when a man or a woman usually gives their husband or wife a gift. Well, the Lord put it on my heart years ago. Hey, don't just show your love. Don't just show your wife you love her during these one or two or three times a year. Show her that you love her often. You know, just get her just something meaningful, something nice. It doesn't have to be expensive. Just get her a nice little, you know, loving, kind, thoughtful gift periodically, just so whenever. And so I have to be careful because sometimes I go to work or I'm at work and all of a sudden this idea comes on my mind to do this. And maybe it's not even a good time or um, I'm running that day because it's a real busy day. But yet I've got this idea on my mind. I've got to get my wife this gift. And that idea, I have to be careful because it can just drive me. This idea can become a consuming idea to me. And I have to be careful because, according to what we read in the Bible, sharing your heart, bowing down to another, that then becomes idolatry for me. And so really easily a good thing can even become a bad thing. And we just have to be careful that you know, we don't get caught up in the subtlety of idolatry because it is extremely subtle and it's dangerous. So Christians, 
just my close to this and the warning of idolatry. Idolatry is really easy to fall into, and we just need to be careful about not letting ourselves be consumed or, or overtaken with anything that's in this world or the authority that this world ha- has to offer. I just, I just got to get that boss position. I just got to get it. That's that's dangerous. That can become idolatry to you. And we need to stay in the love of the Father. As John, remember John said, if we love the world and the things therein, the love of the Father is not in us. So we need to stay, you know, with the, having the love of the Father in us. And we need to stay saved, of course, because there is, a, like I said, a danger of we could go after those things in the world so much that that becomes our real God instead of Jesus Christ, our God. And then we're doomed. And, you know, he gave his life for us. Nothing in this world gave its life for you. Nothing or me. It's just all the stuff we're just supposed to use, not be consumed with and not be obsessed with. Well, praise God. Anyway, moving on to our new sermon for today. I'm going to read 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 23. If you're not there, you can get there now or you can listen along with me. The title of our new message is, it's, it's a kind of a, you know, I, I kind of accentuated it a little bit here. Jesus is the Christ. Not just, you know, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. And that all makes sense as we go through our message. John's new topic here is to tell his readers how to spot an antichrist, which would be a fake Christ or a person who believes or teaches uh, beliefs that contradict Jesus Christ's talk on, you know, uh, on anti. That would be anti, okay? So anything that you teach or believe that goes against the teachings of Christ Jesus is an antichrist teaching and to tell us who is a liar according to the faith of Jesus Christ. So let's read 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 to 23, see what John has to tell us, and then we'll get to our study. John opens up, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the antichrist is coming. Even now, many antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar, and I'll say an antichrist here, and you'll understand why. Who is a liar, and you'll say an antichrist, because, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. And since Jesus taught that he was the Christ, okay, then that would be a liar and an antichrist. It all kind of goes together here. And he goes on to say, he is antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son, and you would say the Son meaning he is the Christ, the Son of God, does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. This time, John opens up verse 18, telling those of his day that were reading his epistle that it was the last hour. Starts out there, right there in verse 18. What does that mean? Last hour, according to John, was the end times or the last days that Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 24, meaning nearing the end of the world, nearing Jesus Christ coming back. John believed that they were in the last time, the last days, or as he said it here, the last hour. Just an aside, I don't think any one of the disciples, especially John, ever thought that Jesus Christ's return and the end of the world was going to be too far off from the time Jesus Christ died and rose again. In fact, the impression John gives me here, <coughs> excuse me, is if he expected the end of the last days to be just a few days or a few weeks away. And here we are, yet almost 2,000 years later, and still no final end yet. I would say, come, Lord Jesus, please come. And by the way, we are still in the last hour or the last days. And like John, I believe that we too are also in the last days, weeks of these end times, but we'll see what God does. I won't get into all that nonsense of guessing when the end will be, just to say I believe that the end is near. Just simply that, the end is very near. 
Remember, Jesus said that no one but God knows the day nor the hour nor the time when Jesus Christ will come back. So I'm not going to go into guessing, oh, Jesus is coming on such and such a date and such and such a time. No, that's, that's against the Bible. That would be an antichrist teaching. That would be another way you could tell who was following antichrist teachings or not. John doesn't mention that here, though. But anyway, getting back. Look what John says next. Look at the rest of verse 18 again with me. He says this. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour, or again, the last days. So he starts out there and he says, So as they had heard. Well, they had heard that um, the Antichrist was coming. Okay, And they heard that many little Antichrists, and they had even seen that many little antichrists had come already. He says there first, the antichrist, notice if your Bible should, should be, it should be like this, has a capital A. The antichrist, capital A, is coming. So that means what he's talking about it there, he's talking about the main antichrist, the main, basically Satan in the flesh that's going to come on the world at the end of days at some point, and he's going to proclaim himself God in the temple and so on and so forth. This is the major like end times, the one that's going to take us into and through the tribulation, the main Satan in the flesh, Antichrist. He said the Antichrist is coming. They'd heard that. they had also heard that many Antichrists with a small a. You're going to hear that all throughout this sermon. Many small a Antichrists have come. Now notice that, like I said, your Bible should have a small a there, not a big a. The big A was the Antichrist, as I said, the devil in the flesh, but the small A Antichrist would just be persons or or people who would teach or believe teachings that were against Jesus Christ's teachings or people or, or, or beliefs or ideals that went against. Anti is synonymous with against. If you say I'm anti, you know, cars you say i don't like to drive cars i'm against cars i'm i'm anti you know gmo this and i'm against that so here many anti little a antichrists have come meaning that they were people that were against taught against or believed against the teachings that were jesus christ taught when he was on the earth when he gave his teachings and john says there that by this evidence of these many little a antichrists coming John says that they know it's the last hour or the end times. Where did John get all this? Where did John understand all of this little a antichrist, the major antichrist, so on and so forth? Well, Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 24, and the disciples passed his message of this end times to Christians in their churches of John's day. And just like I'm doing with you now, what exactly did Jesus say in Matthew 24 that John was referencing here? Matthew 24, 4 and 5, Jesus says, Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many, there's that, John says, many, small a antichrists are coming. Jesus says, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. These would be the false, like, people that have come. And then we, again, we've seen a lot of this even still to this day. Many people have come saying, I am Jesus Christ, and yet they're not him. So they would be, there's the person that believes themselves to be Christ, but they're not. These would be the, like, people who think they're Christ, anti-Christ people who think that they're Christ. Matthew 24, 11, same chapter, he goes on to say, Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many. There's your small a, anti-Christ. False prophets, people that would teach in Jesus' name, but not be Jesus Christ, and they'd be teaching against or or believing or professing against the teachings that Jesus Christ taught. These would be false prophets or small a antichrists, as John calls them here. And Matthew 24, 15, John says again, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, here's your big A antichrist, the one that's the devil in the flesh. He, Jesus says here, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. This is the major end times guy that's going to come and profess himself to be Christ and sit in the temple and try to deceive the whole world into thinking he's Jesus Christ come again, yet he's not. 
He's going to profane God. He's going to profane Christ. He's going to speak abominations against God. And he's the one that's going to take us into and through the tribulation period. And John tells us here again that he, as well we could say this too, had seen many small a or antichrists or false prophets. And by this that they knew, is, as we know now, that it is the last days. Now John says a lot here in his next verse with some very sobering and sad news. John gives us some very, very, very sobering words. I hope they hit you the way they did me. Verse 19 says this. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, speaking of the little false prophets now, the little a antichrist, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. That sure was a mouthful, but John really said a lot. Let me talk about what he said. He says there first and foremost that these little a antichrists or false prophets as Jesus called them in Matthew 24, 11, or these people that pretended to be Christians of John's day yet believed and taught teachings that contradicted Jesus's teachings, so taught anti-Jesus or anti-Christ teachings were among them. What does that mean? Well, if you're among me or I'm among you, then that means that you're by me. You're with me. We're in the same room. We're in the same church. And so John just said here that these little a antichrist, these false prophets who really follow the devil, they don't really follow Jesus Christ because they teach antichrist teachings, teachings that are against Christ, were among them. Well, again, this, first off, should be very sobering to you to hear. Very kind of scary, very intimidating too. Uh, An idea I've heard in Christian circles in the past, the devil or the demons are scared to come into a group of believers or, or, or in my church or in fellowship where we're praising and worshiping Jesus. The devil can't stand where we're praising Jesus. He's scared away. Just the name of Jesus just scares the devil away and just scares those demons away. Well, yet, what John just wrote here it looked like these evil antichrists, these little evil, little a antichrists or false prophets, which followed and still follow the devil and demons, didn't have any problems being among the first century Christians inside their churches. So this whole idea of the devil, well, he can't be amongst us when we're having praise and worship service. The devil, well, he can't be in here while we're having church service. Oh, it's just the name of Jesus. Christians, please. Don't be naive and deceived into thinking that all the people who you go to church with are automatically true Christians. That couldn't be farther from the the truth. If we know the devil doesn't change and he's still trying to take us down and trying to destroy God's church, we know that the devil didn't stop sending little a a antichrists, little false prophets into the church in the first century. You know he's darn well he's doing it today because it's a good tactic. If you can't beat him, join him devil knows he can't take down God's church. Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So what's he going to do? He's not going to send anybody against it, or he can, but if that doesn't work, he's going to send people into it. And he's going to send people into it, these little antichrists, these little false prophets to try to take you down. The devil, Christians, please, is not scared of you or your fellow Christians when you're singing worship songs and praying to Jesus. Every day I pray for others. And every day as I pray for others, I pray against the devil to do it. And I feel him right there by me trying to stop me praying for you and for all those that listen to me and for all those that I've ever talked to about Jesus. And I stand against the devil and he stands against me as I do it. It's a warfare. It's just kind of par for the course. And if you think about it and you think, well, the devil can't be amongst Jesus' name. And you know, well, look at Judas. Judas was filled with the devil. Judas followed the devil, followed the demons. And yet he was with Jesus for three and a half years. So Christians, the devil and the Antichrist and the little a Antichrist and the false prophets and the demons are all around you at all times. And if you rebuke them and send them away from you at some point, then yes, they will leave. But don't think they're not going to come back. Okay? John does say here of these evil devil-following Antichrist people that they ended up leaving their church at some point and didn't continue to be in communion with them. And because of this, 
who they were was made manifest or made known to them. And yes, there will come a point in time when the devil will have his people move into your church, but only after their mission is completed in your church, then they'll move out. Or let's say I've, I've seen this happen too. You, they've had to kick them out because they've been causing so many problems and causing division in the church. But the truth is this. How can you, you know, what's one of the ways you know if somebody's really not of Christ? Well, time will tell. And the fruit of the supposed Christian, whatever they bear and their actions, will show you whether they're of Jesus Christ or of the devil. You just have to wait and see. But time will always tell. And what they teach and what they believe will always tell who they're really following. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 and 16, Jesus said this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves, talking about the same people. He says, you will know them by their fruits. And that's true. Just wait. Just wait and watch and be observant to those that are around you. And, and you'll just see that the people that are not following Christ will make themselves manifest to you. Back to our scripture, though. John tells them next that they had some good spiritual discernment, though. Look at verses 21 and 22, or 20 and 21, excuse me. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. So in a nutshell, you just told them that they knew that those that went out from them were liars and the little false prophets and the little a antichrist and, and that, that they knew that they taught and believed these anti or against Christ teachings because God had shown it to them. And John tells them here, I'm not writing to you because, hey guys, not, not that you didn't know that these guys were amongst you and these guys were evil and so on and so forth, but that, that you knew, I'm just writing you this letter because, hey, they were liars and they were antichrist and no lie is of the truth, okay? If you're walking close with Jesus even today, what John writes here to you even is true for you. Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit, if you're walking with Jesus close, will help you discern spiritual things, even showing you who around you are these little a antichrists or these false prophets or liars. Many today who profess to be of Christ, especially in America where I live, fall into this category as John, John writes about here. They really, they, they profess one thing. Uh, they profess, oh, I'm a Christian. But then when you start breaking down, as we're going to see in a little bit, some of their beliefs, you'll see that very quickly that they are not really following Christ. They really have their own beliefs that differ, excuse me, and that are against the beliefs of Jesus Christ. Um, many both inside and outside the church teach anti-Christ teachings, and many people believe their false garbage teachings and are on the wrong spiritual path because of it. So if you are a true Christian today and you do not or don't feel you have this spiritual discernment from God, you know, to know, hey, I want to, I want to know, or I don't think I know the people that are really these false prophets and these little a antichrists, then you just pray to God and you ask God, hey God, give me this spiritual, you know, discernment because I need it. I need it because I'll tell you right now, we are in the last days and you do need to know who around you is of Christ and who around you is not of Christ. You don't want to be led astray by their false teachings if you really love the Lord. So, is the true test of who an antichrist is, a little a antichrist, I should say, they're leaving a good Christian church, as John just wrote here in verse 19, that these little a antichrists did then. Remember, we knew that they were not of us because they went out from among us. So basically, they, they knew one of the reasons that they were little a antichrists or false prophets is because they left their church gathering. Is that the only way that we can tell that little, you know, who is a little a antichrist or not? And is that a good test? Well, no, I'd say absolutely not. There are good reasons for good Christians to leave good Christian churches, and it happens all the time. Uh, just a few. God really calling them to another work of his. We met a lady at this restaurant. I take my wife out to uh, for... Uh, a little date night every week, and we met a young girl at this restaurant we went to one time, and, and she went to a church here in, in, in the area here in, in Texas, and and uh, and we were talking to her, and she was like, well, yeah, I'm going to be going, I feel like God putting it on my heart to be a missionary. And so she was going to be leaving her good Christian church to go be a missionary in another country. 
So she wasn't a little antichrist that she had a good reason to leave her church. God calling somebody away to do more work for him, some work other, other places. Another good reason, a Christian may have to relocate because of finances. Hey, my, you know, I just had a new baby and I got offered a, a, you know, a job in, 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 in another state. And, you know, I feel like the Lord's saying, hey, take that job. And so maybe they go to a good Christian church and they got to leave that good Christian church. And so, so they do. Does that mean that they're a little antichrist because they left that good Christian church? Absolutely not. They had to leave. They're having a baby. They got offered a good job. The Lord said, go, and then they go. Uh, maybe a good Christian has to move away to help a sick mom or dad. You know, Bible says, honor your mother and your father. Should you honor going to a good Christian church over moving to another state, let's say to help your sick mom or dad that's, 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 you know, ill or something? Well, absolutely not. Does it make you a little a antichrist if you move away to help a sick mom or dad? Well, absolutely not. You're fulfilling the Bible's commandments. You'll got to lead you to another good Christian church. So, There are quite a few good reasons that a good, solid, real Christian could have to stop going to a real, good, solid, real Christian church. So this is not a 100% foolproof test of whether a person is a little a antichrist or not. And since that's not a good foolproof test, is there a certain way to know, outside of the discernment of the Holy Spirit, if someone is a little a antichrist, a false prophet, or a liar, according to the Christian faith? Well, absolutely John gives it to us in his next verse. Look at verse 22. John says, Who is a liar? And as I said and I was reading the scripture, this would be an antichrist too because what we're going to read rejects or goes against Jesus Christ's teachings. He says, verse 22, Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. That's the first way. And the second part of verse 22, the second one that we know who a little a antichrist is, who is a little false prophet, he is antichrist who denies the father and the son. So here, hands down is the ultimate, 100% foolproof way to know who is a little a little a antichrist, a false prophet, and a liar according to the Christian faith. Let me go over them you will be shocked, really you will, to know the reality of what John says to us here. This is going to blow you away. I've seen this before. God showed me again in the scriptures. I'm teaching it to you. I'm just passing on to you the things that God has shown me. You're going to be blown away by what you hear right now. First, in verse 22, the first foolproof way to pick out a false prophet or a little antichrist is one that denies Jesus is the Christ. Now, that's the title of our message. Jesus is the Christ. And this is where I get this from. The first way is that this person will deny that Jesus is the Christ. Many of you might be thinking right now that someone who denies Jesus Christ is someone like an agnostic or an atheist. Meaning, an atheist is someone who doesn't believe in God. An agnostic kind of believes in God, but they're not, uh, uh, they believe in God, but they just don't know which God. And maybe you might be thinking that this little a antichrist, this, this one who denies Jesus is the Christ, is one of these people. But, after all, These guys just simply reject Jesus Christ, right? And that's what people do who just don't believe in him. Isn't that right? That's correct. But that's not what John said in this text. Listen carefully. And I want to, that's why I accentuated that word. John just said that these liars of the Christian faith and these little a antichrist deny that Jesus is the Christ. Not they deny Jesus Christ as being in existence. There is a huge difference between believing that Jesus is not the Christ and believing that Jesus Christ just didn't exist. Denying Jesus Christ, which is what atheists do, and maybe even agnostics who maybe think that God is another God, is not considered a liar of the Christian faith or a little antichrist because they're not teaching or believing things that go against what Jesus taught. Okay? Antichrist teaching would be a teaching against something that Jesus taught. An atheist or an agnostic just may not believe that Jesus Christ ever existed. That didn't go against something that he taught, like a main teaching of his. That just is simply to say that they just don't believe that he ever existed or that he, you know, whatever, that he just wasn't a real man. 
So this person is not a false prophet or a little a antichrist. The person John is describing here that denies that Jesus is the Christ, not not believe not doesn't believe in him, but he he denies that he's not the Christ. So they may believe in Jesus, a guy that was named Jesus, or that maybe even fills the same of the same things that Jesus did, but they don't believe that he is the Christ. Let me get let me let me stop making all these statements here. I want to I want to break this down to you. I, I've said those things quite a few times. This person that John's talking about here is a type of religious person and can even believe themselves to be a Christian, as I've met many people who believe themselves to be Christians, but don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. What does it mean to deny Jesus being the Christ? And why does it make them a liar and a little a antichrist? Well, number one reason, catch this now, because Jesus claimed to be the Christ. And believing or teaching that he's not the Christ is against or anti to what Jesus taught. You see, the word Christ, and and you could say, well, what is the Christ then? Why is it so important that Jesus is the Christ? And that why is it so bad if somebody denies him that he is the Christ? Let me explain it to you. The word Christ means anointed one or Messiah, God's Messiah, if you will. And this Messiah that God describes in Scripture is the Savior of the world or the only way to heaven, okay? Which makes the Christ, which Jesus claimed to be, the Savior of the world. So this first foolproof way to know who is a liar according to the faith or a little antichrist or a false prophet is that they claim or they believe that Jesus is not the Savior of the world. This is big. Jesus claimed in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. I am the Christ, Jesus said in other passages, and I am the only way to heaven. John affirms what Jesus said in 1 John 4, 14. We'll be there in a little while. He says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. This is the Christ. We have seen and bear witness that God has sent Jesus as the Christ, or the Messiah, or the, not one of the, but the Savior of the world. The one that you can't get to heaven without him. This is huge, and I bet you don't even realize what this maybe means. This means that to be a little a antichrist here, and a liar according to the Christian faith, according to John, according to the Bible, all you have to do is not believe that Jesus is the Christ, or not believe that he is the Savior of the whole world, or, this one should hit home now, please listen carefully, not believe that he is the only way to heaven. So if you believe right now that there are other ways that people could be saved from their sin, there are other ways that you can get to heaven or that people in the world can get to heaven, you belong in the category of a little a antichrist or a false prophet. This is a problem in our American Christian culture and all over the world. I want to give you some statistics here. Just a startling statistic for you today. The California-based research and polling firm named Barna did some polls. Not sure the total number that they polled, but of those polled that consider themselves to be born again. Now, they give this definition as someone that has come to Christ. They believe in him. They've given him their lives. They've confessed their sins. They believe that they're saved. Of those they polled that put themselves in this born-again Christian category, listen to this. One quarter of them, 25% of them, said all people are eventually saved or accepted by God. This is an anti-Christ teaching. Doesn't matter what they say they believed, that no matter whoever it was, all peoples, meaning atheists, agnostic, Muslim, Satanists, whatever, that 25% of all the people they polled said that 
people, no matter what they believed, were going to be saved and they wouldn't be burning in hell. This is another way to heaven. This is Jesus is not the only way to heaven. And these people believe themselves to be Christians. Another one. And in a similar proportion, 26, up 1% of people that they polled said that a person's religion does not matter because all all faiths teach the same lessons. Wow. So no matter what you say you believe, hey, you're okay with God because you know what? Whether I'm this or that or the other thing, doesn't matter. My religion teaches the same as Christianity, so I'm going to be saved anyway. Which is a lie, but that's what they believe. And in an even higher proportion, listen to this one. This one's going to blow your mind, which I've kind of heard this before. 40% of these people that they polled of these born-again Christians said that they believe Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Are you kidding me? Muslims, in case you didn't know, don't believe Jesus was the Christ. Muslims believe that he was just a prophet, just like Moses, just like Elijah, but that he wasn't even God's son, and that he wasn't even the Christ, the Savior of the world. Which makes, listen to this, just under half of those who profess to be truly saved in Barnabas' poll really in the category of a little a antichrist or a false prophet because they believe and profess beliefs that go against or that are anti according to what Jesus taught. Who falls in this category of these little a antichrists and liars today worldwide? Some of them you're going to know right off the bat. One of them, I bet you're not even going to know. It's going to blow your mind. Number one, Muslims, as I just said, don't believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Don't believe Jesus Christ is the Savior. Just believe him as a prophet. The Jews, well, they just believe that he was like a rebel. They don't ever believe he was God's son, and he definitely didn't die for the sins of mankind. He was just some dumb fool that stepped up and lied and was a really, he was, they believe kind of he was the anti-God. You know, he was the one that came lied. He never did anything. The Jews are in that category. Hindus. Did Hindus just believe, hey, hey, Jesus is a good guy. You know, he's, he's the savior for Christians. But you know what? We have our own gods. And, and so therefore they're anti-Christ because they don't believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And they believe that he didn't come to save the man, uh, mankind. Almost every Eastern religion, and believe it or not, this one's going to blow your mind. And I've been accused before of, of picking on uh, certain things, but I, I have to call it out. God spoke to me this morning. Call out the Antichrist, said. Call him out. I, and he gave me, the, gave me the section. I went right to the website, found it right away. Believe it or not, one of the largest religious so-called Christian groups in the world follow an Antichrist teaching. And they are no other than, drumroll please, the Catholic Church. What? How? You, you, Pastor Ed, you can't dare say Catholic, they're anti... Yes, I can, and I'll show you proof. You say the Catholics can't be an Antichrist church? Yes, I tell you that they can. They'll deny it, but unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, we have their catechism, which is their breakdown on everything they believe, and it's all their beliefs all in one. Now, what does the Bible categorize, what I just explained, as an antichrist teaching? Someone that teaches that Jesus is not the Christ. So the only way to heaven for everybody, right? Well, listen to what the Catholics believe. I looked this up. You can look it up yourself. Just do a Google search. Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's a website. And it's their website from them, not by me. And it's found under, just go to Article 9. I'm going to repeat this again. Article 9. And it says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. It's Article 9. And Paragraph 3. So Article 9, Paragraph 3, Catechism of the Catholic Church. And Paragraph 3 says... The church is one, holy, catholic, and apostolic church. Under article or CC 847, just go to that number there, right there on their site, 847, this is what it reads. This is the Antichrist teaching of one of the largest denominations, the largest denomination of so-called Christianity in the world. This is what it says. 
This affirmation is not aimed at those who, through no fault of their own, do not know Christ and His church. Those who, through no fault of their own, do not know the gospel of Jesus Christ or His church. Meaning, not me or you who know what the Catholic Church is. We're talking about the Aborigine in, in you know, Uganda or, or Ethiopia that's, that's never even seen a white guy. We're talking about this type of person now. Somebody that's never heard the gospel. They don't know about Jesus Christ. They don't know about the Catholic Church. This is, what they're, this is who they're talking about here. Listen to this. But who nevertheless seek God with a sincere heart and move by grace try in their own actions to do his will as they know it through the dictates of their own conscience. Meaning, I think it's good to serve God like this, and I I just, I love God, this leaf, and oh, I just, and I serve this leaf in a certain way, or I serve this, 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 this jaguar in a certain way. And they say, as long as they do it with a sincere heart through the dictates of their conscience, listen to this, those two may achieve eternal salvation. What? What? So we don't have to go through Jesus Christ to be saved? John just said, who is a liar? Oh, and I'll say, who is an antichrist? But the one who says that Jesus is not the Christ. To say that these people can be saved by another way, means that Jesus Christ is not the only Savior of mankind. It means that there's another way to heaven. Well, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. How can we say somebody else can get a different way in when Jesus said, I'm the only way? Is he a liar? Well, obviously the Catholic Church believes so, because they believe as do Muslims, as do Hindus, as do many of the East, almost all of the Eastern religions, that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. In case you didn't understand it, they just said that there is eternal salvation outside of Christ. And a person's heartfelt religious beliefs or their good deeds, even though, as I said, the Bible says that salvation only comes through the Christ which is Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father. And if you don't believe me, even a very dear family member of mine, who's a Catholic, has told me the same thing. She says, Jesus is not the only way to heaven, because what about those Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, etc., who love their God in their own way, who don't know about Jesus Christ? God's certainly not going to send them to hell. This is almost a direct quote from my beloved relative who believes this same thing, and she goes to this church and believes this same thing. But according to John here, she, it's sad to say, along with all those that barn uphold who believe the same thing, are little a antichrist because they believe that Jesus is not the Christ or the only way to heaven. And considering this, plus others in America, I can tell you from my conversations with people over 16 years, many who I've talked to, Catholic, Muslim, Hindu, etc., deny that Jesus is the only way to heaven and therefore deny that Jesus is the Christ, so are liars according to the Christian faith and little a antichrist. Shocking, isn't it? Shocking. It really is shocking. John goes on to say the second way to tell a person to tell if a person is not a real Christian but a little antichrist. He says here, uh, he is an antichrist, the same verse 22, he is an antichrist who denies the Father and the Son, meaning little a antichrist deny that God is the Father of Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ is God's Son. Wow. Now most of the Christians in the Christian churches don't deny this, but they do deny that Jesus is the Christ, meaning that he is the only way to heaven. So they're not really in better off for believing that God is the Father of Jesus and that Jesus is his son. But, but anyway, to those today who primarily don't believe that God is the Father of Jesus and that Jesus is his son would be Muslim, Jews, and Jehovah Witnesses. As I have already told you Muslims, I've already told you Jews, Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus Christ was a created being of God 
and that he's Michael, the archangel, but, but not God's son, only begotten son. Uh, and according to John here, unfortunately, any that belong to these belief systems in our world today are false prophets, liars, little antichrists, which means that they believe and teach against the teachings of the Bible and Christ himself that claim that Jesus Christ is God's son. Where does the Bible claim that God is the father of Jesus and Jesus is God's son and that Jesus is the Christ or savior of the whole world or the only way to heaven? Well, only just about anywhere and everywhere you go in the New Testament, but just some examples for us so we can kind of get an idea that I'm not lying to you and that the Bible really does say this. Jesus asked his disciples one time in Matthew 16, he says, who do men say that I am? And they told him, and then he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter steps right up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The high priests of Jesus' day were questioning him at the end of his life before they had killed him. And they asked him in Matthew 26, 63, uh, they say, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus replies to them in 2664 of Matthew, uh, it is as you said. The demons, Matthew 8:29, suddenly they, the demons, cried out saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Jesus, you son of God. Even the demons cried that out. Have you come here to torment us before the time? The guards who stood at the cross and watched him die and saw him what transpired even after he died. Matthew 27, 54. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. Now I could go on and on through all the gospels and probably go on for another hour speaking on all of them. But for time's sake, I'm not going to do that to you. But I think you get the picture. The Bible is not quiet on the fact that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and the only way to heaven. And to believe, confess, acknowledge anything else, ladies and gentlemen, listen carefully, is anti and against both the teachings of Jesus Christ and the teachings of the Bible. Lastly, in our last verse or so here, John tells us what it actually means to deny Jesus being the Christ and be a liar according to the Christian faith and a little a antichrist. Look at verse 23. Whoever denies the Son, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So John says simply that any person who rejects Jesus Christ being God's Son and only Savior of the world, and the only way to heaven, because they kind of all go together, God's Son is the Savior of the world, the Christ, does not have God the Father, or God Almighty, or Almighty God, however you want to call Him, the Creator of the universe. And if they don't have Him, what does it mean not to have somebody? Well, if you don't have somebody, you don't have what they have to give, and you're not, you don't, they're not on his side if you don't have somebody. If they're not with you, then they're not with you. You don't have them. Or you're not on his team. And of course, this means that, it's your, if you're, that, that if you don't have him, that you're not walking with him, and you're not saved from your sins, and you won't go to heaven, and you won't be with God forever. But he goes on, he says, but if they accept and believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son, which also means that they accept and believe that Jesus is the Christ or or Messiah of the whole world or the only way to heaven because it all goes together, then they do know God the Father and are on his side or are walking with him. And if they continue in this faith until they die, will be saved from their sins. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, this text here by John is one of the most dogmatic passages in the entire Bible. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus is the Christ and God's only provision for the sin everyone has committed that separates us from God and therefore the only way to heaven. No matter what religion you grew up in or even if you've never heard of Jesus Christ or gospel-saving church or the Bible or anything, The Bible says Jesus is the only way to heaven. 
Even if all those Aborigines and, and so on and so forth, they'd never heard of Jesus or God, Jesus is still the only way to heaven, ladies and gentlemen. And John just told us to believe and profess that Jesus is not the Christ, the Savior of the world, the only way to heaven is Antichrist. And to be a little a Antichrist means to not be saved from your sins, means you're headed to hell when you die. For if you deny the Son, you don't have the Father either. Verse 23. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 12, 30. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. And he makes it clear in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 31, if you abide in my word, meaning his teaching, his teachings, not the teachings that are against his, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So what does it mean if you don't abide and believe in the things Jesus taught? Well, that means that you're against him. And that means you're not a disciple. And the Bible makes it very clear that unless Jesus is your Christ, Jesus is your Savior, Jesus is your Messiah, then you won't go to heaven because your sins won't be atoned for before God. It's as simple as that. Bible's very clear. So to you that listen to me today, I have to ask you, what do you really believe about Jesus Christ? Is he the Christ? Or is he just one of those people uh, that the world, the people of the world, consider to be a savior, but only of those who are really, you know, born into the Christian family? I've heard that too. Well, Jesus is the savior, but he's the savior of those that are Christians. Well, no, that doesn't mean he's then the savior of the whole world, does it? No, it doesn't. It means he's just a savior. Oh, then there's lots of them then. And then Jesus Christ's death on the cross, it doesn't even matter because you know what? I could have gone to anything and I I could be saved just by believing anything. I could dance around the bush outside and and singing Kumbaya and I could be saved by doing that too. No, 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 no. Jesus is the Christ, not one of the saviors of the world. The Christ. And do you believe that? Are you one of the almost 50% of those Barnapold that consider that Muslims worship the same God? Even though their religion claims Jesus is just a prophet and not the Christ, the Savior of the world, and the only way to heaven? If you believe, profess, or teach anything else than John 14, 6, John is clear and he says, You don't have the Father. And you are a liar and a little a antichrist according to the Christian faith. And when when you're that and you're against the Son, you won't be saved from your sins because you don't have the Father ever. or, Or you don't have the Father either. Jesus, Matthew 10, 38, he says this. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me, not against me, is not worthy of me. So if you do not believe his teachings, then you are not of his way. You're of the anti-way. You either follow Jesus Christ and believe and follow what he taught, or you don't believe and confess what he taught, and you are anti-Christ. 1 John chapter 2, 18-23. This scripture here is plain as all is the Bible is very plain. And if you don't believe it, then you're not going to heaven. You're of the Antichrist way. Please, if this is you, repent and surrender to Jesus Christ and believe in him and only what he taught. Not against what he taught or anti-Christ teachings. And believe his teachings, and be saved. And as Jesus said, he who does not take up a cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. It doesn't matter that you just maybe know even the teachings of Jesus Christ or even believe them. Are you practicing them out in your life? Are his teachings impacting you? Do you follow 
what he said? Do you live like you believe what he taught? Consider these things. Because Jesus says only those that do the will of the Father, only those that do what God said shall be and shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. And if you believe anti-teachings, anti-Christ teachings, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. God will not save you. Please repent and turn to him today. Repent of your false beliefs. God loves you and he died to be the only way to heaven for you. The only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Heavenly Father, for putting these words on John's mind. Thank you so much, Lord God, for sending Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins, as, we've, as John talked about that earlier in his, his letter. He is the propitiation, Lord. He's not one of the propitiations for the sin of mankind. He is the propitiation for our sin. Lord, I pray for all those that are listening to me today, that have listened to this message, Lord, that have gone this far, God. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring them to repentance if they do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the only way to heaven. Because, Lord, there's no way somebody can be born again. There's no way somebody can have a relationship with you and have been reading your Bible and reading your words and still not believe what the New Testament says over and over, probably hundreds of times, and be saved. For as Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me, and there's really no in-between. God, please bring the people listening to this message to the foot of the cross where they surrender to your Son, the Savior of the whole world. Bring them to repentance. Bring them to surrender. Bring them to Christ. And I pray these things, all these things, in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.